Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. You've noticed around the building and on the screen that we have our new logo up, our new theme. Last October, uh, we took our leadership uh, and we cast this kind of vision uh, for what God has for us this year, uh, what we want to focus on. Our yearly theme is just something that we can kind of concentrate on and focus on uh, that ties in with our identity statement and what we're supposed to be doing as a church overall. And so it always ties back to that. Um, and so yesterday we had our church worker meeting. We explained that a little bit further and talked about um, different things there. And this morning I'm going to share with you uh, the message God's put on my heart about this theme of one. And uh, hopefully you'll grab hold of this. God will grab hold of your heart. And we will run this year like we've never ran before for the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm, I'm excited because um, sometimes I think people may think that this uh, is, is planned out. But it's not, I promise it's not planned out. Uh, because I just realized it, I think yesterday evening, how this was going to work out. And that is, um, we've been talking about team and sport and race, and we talked, you know, last two weeks, we talked about the race and running and, and all that kind of stuff. And then this morning, we come together about coming together, about being a team, about being unified and stuff. So uh, I'm very excited about this. Our theme verse is Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That word conversation means lifestyle, your way of life, your course of life, your way of living, all those things. So the way that you live only needs to be in accordance or in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, as believers, what our lives are supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like us lining up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to tell this in, in, in the letter. It says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, whether I'm here or there with you, I can hear of your affairs, what you're doing, how you're living, your course of life, your, you know, all that, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so again, you notice that Paul was saying, this is the way that it should be for all of you, together. This is the way that your lives should look. It should look like the gospel of Jesus Christ. It should look like you're all thinking the same thing, feeling the same thing, because you're all in line with the gospel of Christ. You're all in line striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so our focus this year, it should be all the time, but we're again in our Sunday school lessons and, and just throughout different things, we're going to be focused on unity. Unity in every area of our life. Again, our thought life, our, our, our feelings, um, our actions, what we're doing as a church, we want to be unified in every facet. Where it's not existent, we want to make sure that we rise it up. Maybe, maybe that you're a part of something, you're there, and you're saying, you know, I don't feel connected, I don't feel apart. We want to make sure that you get unified with the body. Um, if you're saying, you know what, I, I feel unified, it's, it, it, it's existing there, I'm a part of this ministry, I, I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat a part of it, then we want to make sure and strengthen it, and we want to make sure that it, it flourishes. And where it's strong, because there's areas, I believe, of the church and places that, and things that we're doing, that there's really, really strong unity there. What we want to do is make sure that we spread that kind of unity uh, throughout the whole church. And so, uh, why one? Why unity? Why, why do we want to focus on this? Why do we want to emphasize this throughout the year? Well, I want you to turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 17 before we actually get into the message part of it. 
And I, I want us to read this again. I've shared this verse many times before. But this is Jesus' prayer for his people before he leaves uh, and, and goes to be with the Father. Um, before he gets you know, crucified and, and, and rises from the dead and, and goes to be with the Father. But this is his prayer in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. This is Jesus praying again. Please remember that as we go on. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Amen. And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Amen. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou, which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Again, we know that John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. And so Jesus, God, existed before time ever was. Creation happens, time begins, and that's when we come into existence, when, whenever God uh, created man. He's saying, look, I want it to be just as it was before the world even was created, before anything ever was. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I have come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. That takes the turn right there. So Jesus, again, God in the flesh, Savior, Messiah, come to pay for the sins of the world. Our sins rose from the dead to give us life, ascended to the right hand of the throne of God, is there now making intercession for us. He's the only mediator for man uh, with God. This person, the Son of God, God the Son, has been talking to God the Father. Not only setting an example, but also revealing the heart of God for us, his people. He's been praying to him about the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, which is an amazing thought. Trinity is, is just a, an amazing thought. Amen. But now he takes this turn and begins to pray for those people that God gave to him, the Father gave to, to the Son. And look at what he says. I've manifested, I'm sorry, verse, I'm, I lost my place. Where are we going? I pray for them, verse 9. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. And then look at verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine. Say that ten times fast. Amen. But this, this is Jesus' prayer for us. He says, everyone that that's yours or mine and everyone's mine is yours it's all one it's the family of God it's the people of God and he goes on to say and I'm glorified in them verse 11 and now I am no more in the world but these are in the world and I'm come to thee listen to this holy father keep protect through thine own name those whom thou hast given me why why does why does why is Christ why is our Lord praying that the Father would protect those that are His. Here it is. 
that they may be one as we are. Keep division out, keep, keep the separation, keep them together, protect them, and keep them as one just like we are in complete sync. Father and Son, complete sync. Complete unity. Perfect unity. He goes on to explain, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in, themse in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take, take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil, or from the evil one, the enemy. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so listen to his prayer here. Sanctify them, set them apart, consecrate them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let them be the people of the book. Let them be the people of your word. Separate them by that. Even as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Just like God sent the Son into the world to, to, to be the light, he says, I've sent them into the world to be the light. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they might also be sanctified through the, through the truth. And here we go. Neither pray I for these alone. Those disciples that were with Jesus then, that were, those were following him then. He says, I'm not just praying for these followers here, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. That's us. I'm, I'm praying for not only that, but for every single follower of us, every single one of our children. And here's what his prayer is for the, his disciples then and for his disciples us now. Here's what Jesus' prayer was. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Not just one together, not doing their own thing, not together figuring it out in the world. No, all together, all together with God on his page, doing his thing. There's a lot of organizations out there. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, a lot of churches out there. A lot of people trying to do their own thing. And I'm not saying that we're a perfect church, but what we're trying to do is to be one church, one group of people unified with God the Father, unified with his purpose. Trying to be that light, just as Brother Jeffrey explained in the beginning. We're trying to accomplish getting the gospel to every creature, just as we were commanded. Within five miles, and not just that, beyond that. If I'm at a restaurant or I'm in a, at a store and 10, 10 miles beyond this, this area, I'm not going to say, well, it's not within five miles. I can't give them the gospel. You know, it's not that how it works. It's, we're going to be light everywhere to all, all people. Jesus said, I'm sending them into the world just as I was sent into the world. But his prayer was for us to be one just like, like, the, like God the Father and God the Son were, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That was the purpose of the oneness. That was the purpose of the unity, that the world could see the people of God as different, and they would realize those people have been changed by the power of God. Those people are unique. They're separated, they're consecrated by who they're following and the words that they're obeying. Those people are completely different from the world. And Jesus said that the world hates them because of that. They're obeying a, a different set of standards that, than the, that exist in the world. He goes on. And the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them. Here he says it again. That they may be one, even as we is, are, are one. Again, he's, Jesus talking to the Father. Just like we are one. I want them to be one. 
I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, complete in one. Did you get that? That they may be complete, made complete in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Did you get that? It's two times now that Jesus has talked about the unity that exists with, with, the, with the Father and Him and, and the type of unity that He's praying that His followers, His church would have. And the purpose of that oneness, the purpose of that unity being that the world would believe on Jesus Christ. I wonder today what's so different and, and maybe why there's not widespread conversions that it's not the reason of the division within the church. So many people are on their own pages. So many people thinking, well, it should be done like this, or I don't like that, or I would rather this, or I wouldn't rather, rather do that. I would rather do this. When the body of Christ comes together, we're going to see in just a second, and is unified with one purpose in Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can stop the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing. He goes on, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, listen, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. The ultimate purpose of it. That the love of the Father would exist inside of us as Christ exists inside of us. See, Christ wanted unity. He wanted unity with us, unity with the Father, in the exact same way that he had it with the Father. He wanted it for us. But why? So we would experience his glory that we would experience the effectiveness that Jesus Christ had on this, on this earth through the church today. That we would see that effectiveness even despite the hate, even despite the division that the world would try to sow, the enemy would try to sow, the rejection that the world would give to the church. He wanted us to have it. And again, the end product, the end result, the purpose, love. And that's honestly what we're all looking for. That's, right. that's, right. that's what we're all desiring is, is love. You said, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because the truth is this. We do what we love. I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I mean, we'll sacrifice for it. We'll give for it. We'll, we, we, we do what we love. We're also looking to be loved. We like to feel that, that feeling of love. So, no, I don't, I, don't want it. I don't want anybody to love me. Yes, you do. Amen. That statement of I don't want to be loved comes from a, a hurt from within of not being loved. Some of these things that you'll hear this morning uh, you're going to hear from different perspectives throughout this year in Sunday school class, not all of them, but um, I'm going to look at this morning the how, or the why, the how, and the what of unity. Um, and the why is so important. I was going to show a video I've shown a couple times in, in our leadership uh, retreat and, and uh, a couple other areas. Um, I'm going to show it this morning, but it talks about the importance of why. 
And we're, we're, we're going to look at that this morning. Why is the why so important? Why is the why so important? It's because of this. If we don't know why we're supposed to be unified, if we don't know the purpose of our unity in every way, then we're going to be ineffective. We're going, to, we're going to fall flat when it comes to being unified and also accomplishing what God has for us in that unity. We're going to be unproductive, unfruitful, and we're going to be living selfishly, missing so much of what God has for us as his people. That's why it's so important to be unified. We clearly saw that Jesus, our Lord, his prayer was for us to be unified. But I want to look a little bit further as to why, the why, and then we'll look at the how and the what. So let's pray, and we'll get this message. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you for the blood that you shed for us. We're thankful for the empty grave, Lord, the resurrection. So thankful that we have that as our mark. Lord, one day we know you're going to call us up to be with you. Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, God, we have this, this joy, this hope eternal, and we're so thankful for it. And I pray that this morning we would be reminded that we are supposed to be on the same exact page. We're not supposed to be doing different things separated, Lord. We're all in the same race. We may have different lanes, may look different, different giftings, different areas of service. But God, it's all f f to be for the, the same exact purpose, to glorify you, Lord, to accomplish your purpose, to see souls saved. Lord, we're supposed to do that together. And Lord, I pray that you would help us see that this morning. Unity is so vital. We are... We are nothing without our togetherness. Lord, you've placed us together. You designed the body to be just that, a body. Lord, help us see that this morning. Help us grab hold of it. And if there's something that's keeping us from being unified with you and unified with the body of Christ, I pray that we would lay that before you this morning, that we would repent, that we would uh, surrender, that we would submit, we would do whatever's necessary to make sure that we're in line and unified with you and the body of Christ. Lord, we praise you for all these things, Lord. I pray you just use me now as a vessel, that you alone would be glorified, and we'll praise you for it, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one in your notes, why is unity vital? Why is unity vital? First, first reason why unity is so vital is Christ died to give it. That's something that I, I think we forget about. Jesus Christ didn't die for just one person. He died for all. He died, not only that, to set himself a people apart, a people, not just one person, but for his people to be set apart from this world. We just said that. Sanctify them through thy truth. Set them apart as our people, God. Christ died for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15 says, this is Paul saying, the love of Christ constraineth us. It compels us. The love of Christ inside of us, it compels us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, here it is, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, individually, on their own course, with their own purpose, but they would live unto him which died for them and rose again. Again, a unified people living for him. The purpose of Christ dying was, of course, to pay for our sins and to give us life, but the people that he would have as his own were to be that people that weren't living their lives for themselves anymore, but they were living unto him who died for them. 
That's a unifying cause. That's, a, that's why unity is so vital is because our Lord died for us to live like this, unified lives, not divided lives. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, for if when we were enemies, look at this word here, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, there it is again, we shall be saved by his life. We're all in the same boat. Without the death of Christ, we're all sinners lost on our way to hell. But he died, and those of us who accept him, his death and resurrection, placing our faith in him, surrendering our lives, surrendering control to him, we're now his people, unified, reconciled to God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, here it is, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He's very personal. It is an individual thing. It's not that uh, when, when you get saved, uh, everybody in your house is automatically going to heaven. It's, n- it's not that. It's an individual decision each person has to make. But God has set it aside. His people. His church. It's us. Those of us together. That's, that's who's supposed to be unified. That's why it's so vital. Other reasons why it's vital. Again, we've already seen it. It's, it was Christ's prayer for us. Can you imagine going up to God at the judgment seat of Christ and, and standing there and saying, hey, if you were to pray a prayer for me, for my life, what would you pray for? You know what God would tell you? I gave it to you. <laughs> I told you what I was praying for. John chapter 17. Jesus prayed for us to, to, to be one and to have the glory that, that he had and for us to have the love and for us to have the power and the effectiveness, again, in spite of the hate, in spite of the rejection, for us to have all of the things, the light and the purpose. That was his prayer. Another reason why unity is so vital, and please hear this, we can't make an impact without it. I mean, you know, we, we can throw pebbles in the water bit by bit, but we're not going to make a tidal wave without unity. That's what happened in the first church. Is they all were unified. The Bible says that they had all things common, that they were together. And there was a tidal wave. And it's happened throughout the church's history since then. But I'm saying now in 2018, if we're going to see anything happen in the end of the end times, in the last of the last days, it's only going to happen through the church of Jesus Christ that is 100% unified. That's, right. That's how it's going to happen. Another reason why it's so vital is our love for Christ and our love for each other compels it from within. 1 John chapter 1, or 1 John, the book of 1 John, talks heavily about our love for each other. And not only that, but the abundant life isn't promised to one, but it's promised to a plural, a plurality. John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. He's talking about his people. He wanted it for us. But it's not until our lives are centered together, 100% centered together on Christ, that we're ever going to see a supernatural impact in our lives and through our lives for eternity's cause. It's not until then. 
So we're going to continue to tread water. And so you say, I, I, I'm just not 100% on board. Guess what? Then we're just going to tread water. Hey, I'm just, I, 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 just, I, I want to, but then we're just going to tread water. It's not until we say, you know what? Christ died for it. He shed his blood for this. It was his prayer for us. We have no effect without this unity. And so I'm going to give myself wholeheartedly to being unified with Christ in the body of Christ. That's when we'll see things happen. But not until then. Number two this morning, how do we obtain and strengthen it? The why is so essential. It's vital. The why of unity is vital. We have to understand why we need to be unified. But, okay, we see. We, we can't do anything without it. We can't do anything of lasting value without it. We can't impact this world. We can't see a tidal wave for the kingdom of God happen without unity. We understand why it's so important. But how do we obtain it and how do we strengthen it? First of all, we have to understand that we already have it in blood and spirit as believers in Jesus Christ. Unity is already a potential. It's already existing there. It's, 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 it's something that we have. We have to enter into it. Each person has to be a part of being unified. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is what you, this is, you, you were like this before you had Jesus Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, and look at that next word, ye. That's an irregular plural. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the believers there. He was saying, you all, but now in Christ, you all who sometimes were afar off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. We all were brought to God as his people by the blood of Christ. So he said, how do we obtain unity? It's ours. It's, it's, it's there. It's, it's, it's there in the blood of Christ. It's what unites us. When we look at each other as, as, as physical family, as kin, kin folks, uh, you know, they have all this um, uh, DNA matching and stuff now. You can find out where you're from and, and, and who's your brother and aunt and grandpa and, and great, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and even more, some people are finding out who their biological parents were and stuff like that. And so it, it's amazing. And, and when you find out that, or, or when you have that relationship with someone who is your kin, someone who is your blood, well, what does that do inside of us? Most of the time it's like, you know what, that's my blood. That's my family. Don't mess with my family. I'll lay down my life for my family. It's, 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 it's kin, it's blood, it's, it's, it's important, it's rich, it's thick. But as a believers in Jesus Christ, we have a blood that's eternal. One day when I stop breathing, the blood is no longer going to be oxygenated. It's not going to find itself to any other part of my body, and therefore I'm going to be considered dead. The Bible says life is in the blood. But there's a blood that's in my spiritual body that's eternal. And if you're in Jesus Christ, it's in your spiritual body. That binds us together for all of eternity. That's why I said the Bible's clear. How we obtain it is it's already ours. It's there. It's in, in us because of the blood of Christ, but also in the spirit of, uh, of Christ. Verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Look what it says. Endeavoring. That means that you're going to give your very best effort to keep or to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The glue is peace, the peace of God that exists within every single believer. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are, they, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
The children of God have the peace of God. We have peace with God. And that's what glues us together with, in, in this unity of the Spirit. And he says, you need to give every effort you have to protect the unity of the Spirit with that peace that exists inside you. The bond, the glue that holds you together is the peace that God's given to you. And you need to, with every effort you have, make sure that you keep the unity of the Spirit. And he explains why in the next verse, next few verses. Here's the reason why. Because there's only one body. There's only one spirit. Even as you're called into one hope of your calling, there's one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. And here it is. And in you all. He said, there's only one family of God. There's only one body. There's only one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, what do we got in the world today? We've got a bunch of man-made mess-ups. That's what we have. And so that's why there's so many different religions. That's why there's so many different denominations. I'm trying. But it's ours already together. It's ours together. But I will say this. If you've been in church in a Christian for any amount of time, you know that there are times that you don't feel unified with the Lord or you don't feel unified with his body. And you you say, I I know I'm a Christian. I know I have the spirit of God inside me. I know I have uh, the blood of Christ inside me. I I know all those things, but I I feel divided. I feel disconnected. I, I, I don't feel united with the Lord and with his body. There's times that it happens. So how do we enter back into it, or how do we strengthen the unity that exists within the body of Christ, with the one spirit, with the one body? How do, how do we enter back into it? How do we, or how do we keep it? How do we guard it, like Paul just said to the Ephesians? How do we strengthen that and guard it? Some ways, among them, prayer. Daily personal prayer as well as corporate prayer. Amen. And praying for what? Each other. Right. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says that after, after Paul gives the, the list of the, uh, uh, the, the armor of the Lord, he gets down there and he says, praying for one another. It's hard to be divided against someone you're praying for. It is. Because again, if you have that same spirit inside of you and you have the blood, the same blood, and you are spiritual relatives, eternal relatives, not just blood and earthly relatives that will end at some point in time, but eternal relatives. If if you're praying for that person and they're praying for you, it's hard to stay divided. And it's not praying like this. God fixed them. They're rotten, and they need to be changed. A lot of times it's God fix my heart. God help my heart be right towards them. God, I want you to bless them and help them. Maybe they're struggling with something I don't see or understand, and, and I pray that you just draw them close to you and so that we can be drawn close to each other so that we can have the unity that you died to give us. But many times it just goes because it's neglect. It just doesn't happen. 
Whether we get too busy, we get too selfish, we get too self-centered, we get too, uh, again, focused on other things of ourselves. we just don't think about praying for that other person. It's just easier in the flesh to let the division go on. It's just easier to say, you know what, I want to deal with it. I, wanna, I don't like conflict, I don't like strife, I don't like drama, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody, well, I do know a couple people that like drama, but I don't, I don't like drama. I don't like strife, I don't like division either. We should be praying for each other. Not only that, we should be giving every effort to keep it and protect it, as we just saw in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Let's understand this, that unity in the spirit, unity in the body of Christ just doesn't happen or stay by default. It exists because of the blood, because of the spirit, but it doesn't, among the people of God, it doesn't stay that way by default. Why? Why doesn't it stay? If we got the blood of Christ in us, if we got the unity of the Spirit, uh, if we got the, the same Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, one God and Father of all who's in all, and you know, uh, why doesn't it just stay? Why do we have to have division? Why is there any problems inside the body of Christ? If these things exist inside of us, why, why, does, why does it even happen? Here it is right here. Flesh. It's the flesh. And we're going to see in just a second why, or why that's so, how that's so. But a simple answer is this, because the flesh is selfish. The flesh cares for itself. It looks to itself. I want what I want, how I want it, when I want it. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul was saying, as the body of Christ, y'all need to make every effort to protect the unity, to guard it, to make sure that the unity stays intact. Did you hear what he said, though? Make every effort, endeavoring, making every effort. And I, I'm convinced that that's where the failure happens many times among the people of God in, in, in the church. Is we're not making every effort to guard unity. We're not praying for each other. We're not keeping our flesh in check. We're, we're, we're not doing those things, and so unity becomes something, this, this amazing thing, this amazing potential, this amazing power that God has given to the church to operate in, but we don't tap into it because we're not giving effort to guard it and protect it. Another way, is, another way to strengthen or to obtain it is humility and selflessness. Humility and selflessness. The Bible says, in honor, preferring one another. Let, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of other. It, 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 it's this mindset that Christ had. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought himself to be nothing, of no reputation. But he took upon himself the form of a servant, became obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what he did. And that's the mind that we are to have in ourselves. On the other hand, these are also some of the ways that we can hinder unity that we can foster division, that we can make sure that we don't tap into that amazing potential power of unity. Here it is. Carnality, as I said a while ago. Carnality. Fleshliness. Being driven by what we want. Selfishness. Envy. I told you a while ago, I'll show you in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter in response to the Corinthian church, and, and many things that they had questions about, many issues that had come back to him that he had to address, you have to understand something, too. This, this Corinthian church was an amazing church. They had amazing gifted people in it. There were amazing things, amazing potential, all this stuff. But they were a church that was divided. I mean, even in chapter 11, he, he, he chastises them because they were partaking of the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper in a very selfish and fleshly way. 
they weren't waiting for everybody to show up and, and, and focus on Christ. It was about what they brought, what they could have, and it was about themselves. And he corrects them, hey, and, and he tells them, this is what I gave you. This is what was given to me, and, and this is what I gave you. But back in chapter 3, he's addressing some of the reasons why they're having division in this amazingly potential church. This, this church with so much potential, he addresses them in, in, in chapter 3. He says this in verse 3, for you're yet carnal. For whereas there is among you, he says, so why is there envy and strife and divisions? He points to the reason. Are you not carnal? And walk as men? You're walking as men, as fleshly men. You're not walking as the redeemed of God. You're not walking in the spirit. You're walking in the flesh. And that's why there's envy in the body of Christ. You know, again, at some point he says, hey, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. If somebody has something great going on in their life, there should be no, no the people of God should be rejoicing with those people more than anybody else. Those people who are hurting and struggling, it should be the people of God that are in before the throne of God, hurting with them, weeping, and, and telling them, hey, we're praying for you, we love you, we're sorry that you're hurting. He says, but this is the reason why there's envy and strife, there's problems and fighting and bickering and division inside the church, this amazing church. Here's the reason why, it's because you're you're carnal. You have carnal thinking. You're, 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 you're feeling carnal feelings and you're acting in carnal ways. He says, for one saith, I'm of Paul. Hey, uh, Paul, I, I, Paul led me to the Lord. The other one saying, hey, oh, well, Apollos led me to the Lord. Apollos is way better speaking than Paul. I mean, he led me to the Lord and th there was this, this, I'm of him, I'm of him. Paul gets on to him for that. And look, there's one that that sows and there's one that waters but it's God that gives the increase it's about him it's not about the sower it's not about the waterer it's about the God who gives the increase that's what he says in verse 8 and then he goes on and says every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor but then he says this Again, as I said, we'll go. We're all in the same race. We'll all go in the same direction. But we have each our own lane that we're in. And that's what he says. E each man's going to get a reward according to his own labor. The effort that you give in your lane for the kingdom of God, that's what you'll be rewarded for or, or not rewarded for. But he makes it clear in, in verse 9. We're laborers together with God. We're in this race together. We're, we're running the race together, and you're God's hus husbandry. You are God's building. And if we don't see ourselves as such, and if we don't act as such, please listen. We are going to miss so much of what God has for us in this life and what he has for us to do in this life. Man, if we don't get that we're in this together, that we're supposed to be working together, we are going to not tap into this power that is so far above our own power. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, man, if there's something, like if you, if you tell me, look, you can go and get an apple pie from McDonald's. That's, by the way, I think they ruined it. They're baking it, right? They used to fry it. Mmm. 
But I've also had an apple pie before that, I mean, I, it's at a, a place we go uh, hunting, and uh, a sweet little lady up in West Texas makes some type of apple pie from God. <laughs> I don't know. It is spiritual. Um, and she bakes it in a brown paper bag. <laughs> Amen, Brother Tom. Amen. And I, I first bought it, I took it. He tried to warn, he tried to warn and say, look, you might need to back away from, from everybody when you take a bite. And I said, at first bite I took, oh, oh my goodness, that's amazing. You know, it is amazing. And I, I'm like, hey, you know, I, it may be a family secret. Or, and she's like, you want the recipe? I'll give it to you. I'm like, please do. I mean, I, I, I'm going to give it to Rochelle. I mean, this has got to be in my life, you know. <laughs> Yeah, ice cream. Oh man, it was good. Um, <laughs> but uh, if 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 you said, you know, I I'm I'm a I've got the opportunity to have a McDonald's baked apple pie, or have Nan's paper bag apple pie. <laughs> There's no question what what it would. I would drive to see more this afternoon to get the apple pie. If, that, if, if our lives together would be so astronomically better and full of the power of God and seeing the amazing things that only, only God can do, not that we could do ourselves, only God could do, if that was the potential for us to have versus just kind of making it, just having the apple pie, the baked apple pie, why would we not do what was necessary to get there and to be there and, and to have that. Why, why would we not say, you know what? I'll do whatever it takes in my life to be unified with, with Christ, with, to be unified with the body of Christ. I will give myself and make every effort to, to do that so that we see God do the impossible. So I, in my life, am a part of something that is so far beyond me that, that I can't take any credit for it. Again, I want to be a part of that. I want that in my life. Look, I said this yesterday to our leaders and the workers. God has given us this little window that we call life in the scope of eternity. And man, if we don't give ourselves for the kingdom of God during this small little window, it's going to pass us by. And we're going to miss it. And man, I don't want to be in all of eternity and say, man, why did I sit around? Why did I not give more effort to, to, to be in, on the same page as the Lord? Why did I have more focus on my stuff and my stuff because I don't have it now. I, I'm here in eternity with God and, and all the stuff that was so important to me that I even sacrificed the things of God to have and to do, I don't have anymore. I missed it. I missed the window of opportunity in my life to be 100% unified and engaged in the kingdom of God. Lastly, number three, what do we do with it? Why is unity vital? How do we obtain and strengthen it? It's already ours, but we do got to make sure that we're praying, that we're giving effort to doing it, that we're not walking in the flesh, that we're walking in the spirit. We've got to do those things, but I mean, so, so what do we do with it? If we get this unity, if, if, if Trinity Baptist Temple comes together uh, and we see this, this year in 2018, a oneness and a togetherness and a unity that has never existed since Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, if, if if we come together like that, 
and we have this unity, what do we do with it? We change the world. Not us. I mean, God does it through us. But that's what happens. That's exactly what happened in Acts. The people were together daily. They had all things common, as I already said. They, 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 were, they were breaking bread, and they were fellowshipping, and they were prayers, and they had doctrine and fellowship. They, they, were, they were together. They had unity, a beautiful unity. They looked like a family of God on earth. There were people from all, all nations, Jews from every nation, the Bible said. And yet they had all things common. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Jews from every nation, yet they came together and had all things common. They had unity. And God used them to change the world. The only way for us to do this is together. Remember what the, the scripture said? We are laborers together with God. It's not just up to me. It's not just up to me and pastors. It's not just up to me and the, the, the deacons. It's not just up to me and the ministry leaders. It's, it's up to us. It's up to all of us. We're in this together. I showed a video in, in yesterday's uh, leader meeting, uh, how to start a movement. And uh, it was a picture. I was going to show it this morning, too. It was a picture of a, a video of a guy on a hillside. I don't know where they were. Some people are having speculations of what kind of concert they were at. But anyways, this guy was on this hillside, and he was, uh, he, he had shorts on. They were, I guess, at a beach or something, I don't know. But he was a shirtless guy. And he was just dancing all crazy. He was, I mean, he was jiggling, wiggling, jump up and down, and I mean, just crazy. And um, shortly after that, there was another guy that runs up to him, and he starts dancing crazy and stuff. And they're like dancing in front of each other and dancing. And the, the first guy's trying to show him how to shake his arms. And I mean, it's kind of weird, you know, but I mean, like, it's kind of funny too. All these people are sitting on the hillside as well, just kind of watching this go on. Then the next thing you know, the second guy who's dancing, he's waving other people to come along. Two or three people come along. And now there's four, five, six, seven, eight, and they just keep coming. Eight, nine, ten, twenty people. And the next thing you know, the majority of the people that were on that hill are in this crowd of people just dancing like weird. I mean, you know, just, just wiggling their arms and shaking, just being crazy, you know. And this one guy started that. And that's what, that's what he was saying. He was, he was talking about how to start a movement. And he said, without that first follower, that shirtless dancer is a lone nut. And he said, you know, he's just out there shaking, you know, his limbs by himself, you know. What are you doing, man? That guy's weird. But that first follower... And then the subsequent followers substantiated what he was doing. And pretty soon, the people who were not a part of that were the outcasts. Were the people that, whereas some of the people early on were looking and saying, you know, that's weird. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Pretty soon, the movement was so large that they thought, if I don't get up and get a part of that, I'm going to be the one. That's the oddball out. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was not shirtless and, well, he was shirtless, but he wasn't in shorts dancing like that. But he stood out and people thought he was a lone nut. And it was the first few followers that came along and said, even Peter, I will die before you do that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But it was those first few followers that Gave their all. This is the Bible says they left all to follow him. 2,000 years later, millions of people 
like you and I. Got off the hillside and started to be a part of the movement. But my concern is this. Maybe you sat back down. Maybe you're not, maybe you're on the hillside with us, but you're not a part of the movement. You're not, you're not giving yourself up. You're still sitting on that hillside watching what's going on. And you're not a part of the movement. Paul wasn't alone. He wasn't a lone ranger. He was the leader, but God used him with them. And I want to read this scripture as I close and Acts chapter 17, it says this, And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Look at those words again, they and they. Where, uh, where was a synagogue of the Jews? And Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one from God. And some of them believed, look at this, and consorted. They joined with Paul and Silas. And of, the, uh, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of the chief women, not a few. There was a whole lot of the important, prominent women in this city that were saved. What happened was they came into this town and they were unified. They were laborers together with God. And a tidal wave hit that town. It, 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 it was wrecking everything. Paul goes in there and he preaches. The missionary team is given the gospel. And it begins to transform this town. They did this because they were unified in the cause, in the purpose of the kingdom. But the Jews which believe not, look at this, moved to envy. Took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company. They said, hey, we need some people to make some false accusations against this group, and we need to kick them out. And set all the city up in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring, look at this. He didn't say sought to just bring Paul, sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, look at this word, these, this group of people that are following Jesus, that are preaching Jesus, that are unified in this, this group of people have turned the world upside down and they've come to our town to do the same thing. Look at that. They were doing it together. Whom Jason has received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And I want to say, share this this morning as the musicians come. Look, that's what our lives should look like. Our lives should look like we are the people of God under King Jesus. When they look at us, the world looks at us, why do you do that? Or why are you always there? Why are you always sharing? Why are you always praying? Why are you always reading the, the word? Why are you always trying to tell someone about Jesus? Why are you doing that? Because I have one king, Jesus. It should be all of our story together. And if we do that, that's what will be said about us as the people of God in 2018. They've turned the world upside down. When the Continental Congress met in Philadelphia in 1775, they unanimously, unanimously elected John Hancock as their first uh, president. He presided over the representatives, over the colonies, as they debated the proper response to England. The war had already begun, it says, and they soon set a course of declaring America as an independent nation. Jefferson drafts the, the Declaration of Independence, 
It was revised. It was passed. And after all this was done, they began to sign it. And John Hancock, as the president, signed his large flourishing signature on the document. According to some accounts, he claimed that King George would be able to read it without his spectacles. That's why he signed it that big. John Hancock literally put his life on the line by signing his name. Is there a risk to be unified in the mission and the vision of the church? Absolutely. The enemy's already been attacking this past year to keep us from being unified this year. He's going to continue to do that. He's going to do it in families. He's going to do it in the church. He's going to do it in ministries. He's going to do it in individual lives. Absolutely. Just like John Hancock and signers of the Declaration of Independence knew, just like Paul and the missionaries team knew, there would be a risk. But they weren't driven by what the risk was. They weren't driven by the what. Getting the gospel to every last soul. They weren't driven by the how. Whether it was going door to door. Whether it was in the synagogue. They weren't driven by that. They were all driven by the why. That conviction deep within. That purpose. For the founding fathers, their conviction was freedom was a gift from God that every single person deserved. Every single person was a right given to them by God and it drove them to even give their life. To pay every and any price necessary to make sure that even us 2,000, or not 2,000, but hundreds of years later would have that same freedom. Our why, our unity has to be the same thing. Every person needs to be freed from sin. Jesus died so they would, and, and the why which freed us should drive us with unity, should drive us with purpose, as the God called out people to get those who enslaved or enslaved to sin freed from sin. Had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a faithful missionary team counting the cost, had it not been for a faithful church member or door knocker or Sunday school teacher or pastor or, or friend or mom or dad or whoever sharing the gospel with us, we would have the same eternal destiny of torment as those that are out in the world still have. So what does it look like? How does it apply? Where does the rubber meet the road? It happens right here. It happens in your heart. It happens in my heart. It happens in our mind. It happens in what we're going to decide at this point. And moving forward. The heart's the seat of the motions. It means that we're going to say, you know what, I'm going to have the same love. I'm going to have the same desires. Having the same mind, it's the seat of thought. I'm going to have the same thoughts. I'm going to have the same focus. And it goes along with our attitude. Both are controlled by our mind and our, and our thought. And if we don't have a unified heart, if we don't have a unified mind, our attitude will be divided. we don't have that then we're going to miss it all it's going to come by submission it's going to come by surrender that's how we're going to be unified we're going to see what God has a church that's one a church on a move a church that is a part of a movement that Christ started 2,000 years ago don't you want to be a part of it? I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just pass this world by and, and, and say, man, I, 
I don't know that I really tapped into the supernatural power, the movement of Almighty God who, who breathed out the stars with his own breath, who spoke into nothing and everything came about. That same God is the power that lives inside of us. It rose for Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that operates in the church today that can change and transform entire communities and even nations, the whole world. But it all boils down to us. We've got to make sure that we are participants and not spectators. We've got to make sure, we may be on the hillside, but we've got to make sure that we're up a part of the movement and not just sitting on the hill watching it go by. So I want to challenge you this morning. Let's be one. Let's be one. Again, it starts with submission and surrender. Even this morning, God, I don't want to do my own thing. God, I don't want to have my own way. I don't want to impose my own will. I surrender all. I come to you. I want to be a part of your will. I want your way to be my way. I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want to be in unity with you. And if we all have that same prayer and we all have the same spirit, we'll have unity. It'll happen. So I want to challenge you with that this morning. And if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm begging you to come. Let someone show you out of Scripture how you can know 100% that heaven's going to be your eternal home. You may not get another chance after this. That's not to strike fear, but that's just reality. You might not have an opportunity to give Jesus Christ your life and allow him to give you eternal life. So I ask you to come this morning. Let someone at least show you how to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be reminded and for this new theme this year. God, I'm so excited because I know it's your heart. You never desired for your people to be so divided. Even, Even a people that can be inside of one church building be on separate pages that's that's not your desire your desire is for us to have one heart and one mind your desire is for us to have your heart your mind lord help us to lay ourselves aside our flesh aside help us not be like the corinthian church and 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 be carnal and 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 experience the division because of our carnality anymore lord help us to be people that are walking in the spirit unified with you unified together Lord, help us to see something miraculous happen this year because of that unity. Lord, help us to see this this world be turned upside down because of that. Lord, we ask you to move now in Jesus' name.